what was comedic about this interview is how calm Megan and Harry were. Oh, just yeah. Just dropping all these little uh, grenades here and there. Like, yeah. yeah, they stopped taking my call. Yep, they said my baby was going to be too black. Yep, they they made me cry. Yep, they didn't <laughs> want to pay for security. Yep, they kicked us out. Like, Oprah's like, this is shocking. Megan's like, I'm sorry, it's shocking. It's the truth. <laughs> Welcome to Too Much, our podcast about, well, whatever. From issues of the world to topics of lesser grandeur, we've got you covered with a little bit too much to say about everything. So let's start the show. I had a dream last night that I toppled the monarchy, the patriarchy, and malarkey. My name is Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm a homeowner. My name is Cody. Work, homeowner. Okay, talk about it. How has it been for the past few days officially being classified as a homeowner? Um, It's been good. It's so hard buying a house in Toronto. Oh my God. Well, not hard if you have money. And you have it. Nothing. <laughs> Barely. Nothing's difficult if you have money, but things are pretty expensive. I can't imagine. I mean, I came to view a few of them with you, and the level of shittery that they are charging money for. I know, you is... have to spend like a million dollars to get something that needs a million dollars of work. To fix it up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's but very crazy. That's Toronto is probably one of the top five most expensive places to live in the world. Yeah. yeah. And that's, to think of it, two cities in Canada... Or like in that top 10 list, Toronto and Vancouver. Yeah, I don't get it. Which just tells you how ridiculous it is to live here. I really don't get it. We are like, well, we're a pretty big country in mass, but as in like population wise, we're a pretty small place. Yeah, but it's because I guess people want to live in, well, I don't even understand Vancouver. I guess Vancouver's population is growing, but. You know what? It's all of that tech money that. Um, came into Vancouver. Vancouver has kind of evolved into like a Silicon Valley in the sense where a lot of Asians have moved there and they kind of will, they will pay whatever it takes to own a home or to like whatever. And so because they're willing to pay anything, which is a lot, then the price for everything kind of goes up. Yeah, that might be part of it. There's a lot of, the same thing in Toronto, there's a lot of, um, like foreign investors who buy real estate and yeah. then rent it out. But yeah, that is it for Toronto. If you want to live here, make sure your pockets are deep. But are you happy with the house that you got? Yeah, I love the house that I got. I'm so excited to move into it. It's an interesting place. I must say that. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. It's cute. It's not big, but that's because I'm not a millionaire. But um, it's very cute and I'm going to be very happy in it. Amen. That's all that matters, your happiness. Uh, what else have you been up to? What else have I been up to? Uh, I don't know. What have we been watching? What's been, what's been on the Netflix? Nothing really lately, eh? I haven't been watching anything, really. I've been busy. I was doing a charity thing last week, which was interesting to say the least, but it was gratifying after it all concluded to say that, okay, I was a part of it, I hosted the event, and I was told by the event coordinator that the event did pretty well. I was really busy, so I never got to actually, it wasn't live, so I didn't get to watch the entire thing, which I didn't need to, I mean, I hosted it. Uh, 42,000 people were watching, the website crashed, and I got a glowing review on Google, so 
that was cute. That was really nice to be a part of. Wow, wow. And I've been really busy with my Patreon. By the way, go over to Patreon, type in Too Much Michael, and you'll find me. <laughs> I love it there. I have my own little community. Apart from the YouTube community, my community here on pod- the podcast, wherever you're listening on. But on Patreon, it's really fun. I don't post a lot on social media. I have or to be. I have to be reminded to post something about my my YouTube shows because I just I'm not a social media type of guy. But on Patreon, it's fun because I feel like I know the people I'm posting for and they care and they interact. Unlike Instagram or Twitter, it's like you post it and some. Yeah, I do get likes and comments and views there, but I just don't feel that connection to anyone that's doing it, really. And that's true, but social media is to advertise. Right, and I'm not big on advertising. Well, that's essential to a business. I know. Most of the time. I know, and I'm just, I just want to deal with the creative part of it and have fun doing what I love to do and not think about having to go and sell myself. So no hustle whatsoever is what you're saying. I have plenty of hustle. Mm. But anyways, that's what I've been up to. Oh, we've been watching a lot of award shows. Have we, though? Well, I follow... <laughs> Shady boots. Well, I look at the fashions when it, the awards show is done. I do not want to sit through an entire awards show. Uh, award shows are kind of dead. But yeah, I mean... Oh, well, we wa- we watched the beginning of the Golden Globes. And then you were like, can we turn this off, please? Yeah, because... It was cute, the little bit Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yeah, I was I was about to say Amy Schumer, but then I was like, that that is not Amy Schumer. (laughs) Uh, It was cute. They were in two different cities. I liked it. It was nice or whatever. But then I was like, yeah, I'm over it, over it. Mm. Next week is the Grammys. And I I, usually watch that whole show. I'm not even interested to see because if I'm being completely honest, I would watch the Grammys back in the day. To see a lot of performances and of recently i haven't really been into a lot of the artists that are being that are performing this year so i don't want really know if i care to see their performances you're not into anyone i'm into a lot of people mm. but what's if you're just gonna watch tv and go on your phone half the time anyways what's wrong with having the grammys on in the background because i could be watching something fun on youtube or netflix that i'll actually pay attention to like selfishness. For the past few years, I've literally not watched the Grammys, which was one of my favorite awards shows. I've only like went online to see who's won whatever category, and then I go back to my life. And that's what kills award shows is now everything's online. So it's just like the next day you can go in and watch the performances. Yeah. And then that's it, which is basically what the award shows turned into in recent years is just this big concert. It's like they have so many performers. Because it, I remember back in the day, like early 2000s, when like awards shows kind of meant something to people, I would watch it and I would be so bored and they would save like the best performer for the last, like last 15 minutes yeah. and everything in between is like a bunch of awards I don't care about. Oh, best folk, indie, rock, alternative artist that's a newcomer. I'm like, and the name of the band is fungi nail and i'm like i don't know these people i don't care (laughs) and now it's like i to be honest if i'm being completely honest if beyonce is not performing or somebody else from back in the day that i'm familiar with i don't oh so now beyonce is from back in the day yeah she's been she's not a contemporary artist 
she is still relevant and I'm, that's why I'm saying if she's not performing I don't really care or someone from back in the day and Beyonce is from back in the day she's from back in 1997 Beyonce is timeless obviously but when she started was back in the day are you disputing what Beyonce is to, with a Beyonce stan I'm just saying I would never refer to Beyonce as an artist from back in the day when she's literally currently putting out bodies of work and that does not negate the fact she's that she's still at the top of her that game. That does not negate the fact that she started out back in the day. <laughs> and I'm a Beyonce fan, like super fan. And I'm saying that I'm. It's not a big deal. If I said that, you would have attacked me. Yeah, because me and Beyonce were family. I can say it. you can't. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, what was your favorite look from the past uh, two runway, two Runways. red carpets, quote unquote, that we did? Because we did videos on YouTube about. Critics' Choice Awards and Golden Globes. Yeah. I think my favorite look was from the Critics' Choice Awards, Algie Smith. No, you don't. Don't come. You cannot. You know that's my favorite look, and yet you're coming to come, like, take I didn't know that was your favorite look. Pick another. Pick another. You're the one who, every time Regina King comes on screen, you're like, oh, she can do no wrong. She this and that. I'm sorry. Even when she was wearing a dress, Are you against Regina King? Like, are you a hater? I'm not. I love her. But that doesn't mean that I like every garment that she puts on her body. I never said everything she puts on her body is perfect. That's just, basically what you said in oh, the video. Basically is not the same as the same thing. <laughs> you said she can do no wrong. She has done no wrong in my opinion so I far. I thought that dress was a bit wrong. I liked it. I thought it was really cute. I liked what her had on as well. H-E-R, the singer. And yeah. I love Algie Smith. He's my new crush. I don't think I knew of him until yesterday. Because you don't watch Euphoria. Yeah, I don't watch Euphoria. I hear I like, it's good, but... It's great. I like John Boyega. John Boyega. Is he the one... In the Louis Vuitton. Oh, you know, when I, the first movie I watched of him was The Block. I never saw it. He was like a teenager in that movie. And there was like aliens, like big alien dogs. What? And, what, and it was really good. Really good movie. Okay. Uh, I like him. I like the garment, but for some reason, because it's an African style garment and it's a Louis Vuitton crest on it, I just was like, no, nope, not into it. For a why? I just don't like it with the Louis Vuitton on it. It just makes it feel dull and like commercialized. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's commercializing it, but. And it makes it look dull. Like, I love it when it's, like, bright colors and really, you know, fun. But the point was to do to do a black and white moment. Well, he made his point. It's It doesn't look bad, but it's not my favorite. I think it was a very interesting... It's a very interesting look. You know who else I liked? What's Daddy's name? The one from... Scroll all the way down. Him. Michael K. Williams. Michael oh. K. Williams. He is a daddy if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it was just a regular suit. It, well, he wears it well. <laughs> he does wear it well, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's okay. Ever since I watched Lovecraft Country and I saw him play a gay role, I was like, mm, I'm into this now. That's all it takes, eh? <laughs> when they talk about gay baiting, you're the bait. <laughs> ah, no, but he's a good looking guy. I don't remember what I've seen him in before. I always get him confused with that guy from the Avengers movie. Who? Anthony Mackie? Is it Anthony Mackie? I don't know. They kind of have maybe similar The one that heads. plays Hawkeye or something? No, not Hawkeye. Let's see. Anthony, I'm Googling. Falcon. Falcon. It's Anthony no, Mackie. not Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is younger. The older one. 
By the way, Anthony. Yeah. By the way, Anthony Mackie did play a gay character on Mirror, Black Mirror as well, which was like, okay, Anthony Mackie, I'm on your team now. Well, we don't know if he was gay, but yes. Uh, He was having a whole sexual encounter with his a virtual sexual encounter with his friend. I was getting there of a virtual sexual sexual encounter with his with his friend, which is your favorite male actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Abdul Mateen. Yes, Junior. Or the second, the third, <laughs> the second. Yes. Oh God. Um, yeah. So in the movie, we're jumping all over the place, but you probably can follow. The Yaya is the best friend to Anthony Mackie, and they're just two sexy, amazing-looking black men. But anyways, apart from that, they link up after like twenty years of not seeing each other, and they play this virtual game together. And um, Abdul is choosing a female uh what do we call it well you're really giving them every detail eh i mean why not <laughs> a female character in the in the game and and then he's choosing a male character in the game and it's like a fighting game like street fighters or something yeah and when they're in the game the simulation makes you feel everything a human being would feel so yeah. if you punch someone you feel like you're getting punched or you feel like you're punching them if you stroke their hair you feel every sensation Anyways, they start fighting in it, and without, like, delay, they start hooking up. And from there on out, it's, like, full-blown virtual sex every single night. Yeah, but they didn't... Remember, they tried it in person, and they didn't really feel it, so I don't know if he's gay. Maybe not. They Yeah, they did try it in person, and I think they were just fighting it. I think they really were just fighting it. Like, they know what they felt, and they know the attraction's there, but for some reason, they don't want it to be real like they both said that no if i remember correctly uh anthony mackie's character was like no i don't feel anything and yaya's character was it almost felt watching him act like okay i'm going to say no as well because you said no and i don't want to make this more awkward than it already is because we just literally had a fight because if you remember back in the earlier part of the episode even when Anthony's character had his girlfriend. He Yaya's character would always try to keep him to himself longer to play games with him. Yeah. He had a crush on him before this virtual thing. The crush was there for a very long time. Yes, but also... So maybe Anthony's character He has sex gay. with other people in the game, too. Yaya's yeah. character has sex with other people in the game, so maybe he's sapiosexual. Um, doesn't that mean you're interested in someone's intellect? Yeah. No, you don't. You're not like interested their minds. In, you're not interested in anyone's intellect if you're just having random sex with everyone in a game. No, no, no. But he said it he's doesn't. More, he it's, said it's it doesn't pansexual. feel the same. Exactly. He, so he's attracted to that person. He's attracted to that person, and not even physically because they're it's virtual. It's virtual, so it's a lot to do with their minds. But at the same time, so boom, sapiosexual. No, at the same time. It's all sensual, like they can feel the body and everything. So maybe you know what? I'll give it. I'll give it that because in the thing, he's a female character, so the body and the yeah. sensation is like whatever. But the thing is, he likes to get fucked as a woman. So that's interesting too. But I don't. I don't want to get into that. I don't know what that means. Anyways, did you do you think he's Samuel L. Jackson? No, no. So not... who's this guy from Avengers that you think oh. Michael K. Williams looks like? Jeez. We, he was literally on the bus with James Corden when we were watching that thing the other day. 
Anthony Mackie. It was not Anthony Mackie. It was an older... What black other guy. black guy is in Avengers? <laughs> black guy in Avengers. I tell you, Google can help you find anything. Why are they only showing me Nick Fury? There's more black guys in there. Because <laughs> those are the only two that I can think of. No, there's another one. He's an older guy. Oh, Don Cheeto. Don Yes! Yes. Okay, well, they look nothing alike. I think Michael K. Williams and Don Cheadle, they don't look alike, you're right, but in my mind, before I knew their names, I would have, like, mixed them up. Okay. Yeah. Also, Michael K. Williams has, like, a huge scar down his face, which is pretty... Hot. Memorable. <laughs> but yeah, that's just a basic suit. I like it. It's very basic, but he wears it well. Okay, let's get into some topics from a timeline. Okay, first let's talk about this Taylor Swift moment from, I guess it was last week. If you don't know, there's this show called Ginny and Georgia on Netflix about this mother and a daughter, and they made some joke about Taylor Swift, and she thought it was sexist. So I guess one of the characters said, you go through men faster than Taylor Swift. The joke that's been made <laughs> many times before, and Taylor tweeted, Hey Ginny and Georgia, 2010 called, and it wants its lazy, deeply sexist joke back. How about we stop degrading hardworking women by defending... How about we stop degrading hardworking women by defending this horseshit as funny? Also, Netflix, after Miss Americana, this outfit doesn't look cute on you. Happy Women's History Month, I guess. This happened March 1st, the first day of Women's History Month. And Miss Americana is like the Netflix documentary that was about Taylor Swift, like her doc that was on Netflix. Yeah. So I guess she thinks that they should be on her side when they have previously worked with her but anyways what are your thoughts on um taylor what like this taylor foolishness okay first of all happy woman's history international woman's day happy international woman's day today is march 7th is this podcast coming out today yes <laughs> <laughs> i will make sure of it now and happy woman's history month for everyone international woman woman's history month i want to say i want to watch that show it's on my to-do list. Secondly, Taylor Swift is upset that they made a joke that... What, what was the joke specifically? You go through men faster than Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, also, somebody I listened to somebody talking about it last week, and they pointed out that it's not really a joke. Like that, it, That's what I was In the to... show... Oh, okay. Well, no, go ahead. What is in the say? show, it's, it's said, like, seriously, it's just a dig. It's not like... You go through men faster than Taylor Swift. Ha 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 ha. It's just like they're in like an argument. Oh. And they throw that as a jab. Oh, okay. So it was meant as an insult. Yeah. I say I didn't watch the show. So it's like hard to like know the nuances of yeah, it like if that, you didn't there's watch. There's some context. Okay. So now that I have some more context of, of it. First, I would like to say. So what if you went through a lot of boys? That's what I said. <laughs> because... I am in my 20s and I've had multiple relationships in my lifetime. And if someone was to say to me, you've had more than five relation, like serious relationships or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, and I plan to have more if they, the ones I'm having now don't work out. Who gives a shit? This is a, the part of, a part of life. What is she supposed to do? If she's with a guy, she wants it to work, but it doesn't work. Is she supposed to lock up shop and become a nun because that one guy didn't work out? <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> you know? I mean, it is, it's 
it's sexist in a way that we don't talk about men that way. Right. I will agree that we should, st- if you're going to make a joke like that about women, you should give it to the, what's his face? Wolf of Wall Street guy. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. He's gone through a lot of women. Give it to George Clooney before he got married. Like, make a joke about that. Like, you've been through a lot women more than George Clooney before he met Kamala. Yeah. Like, I just think, yeah, I think I'd rather the conversation be about just, like, talking freely, saying it about men, too, rather than don't talk about women this way. It's sexist. Because it implies that... I feel like it's implying that it's... It's, it's slutty. Yeah. yeah. That there's that they're slut-shaming. Like, don't say you go through men faster than Taylor Swift. That's sexist. It's like... But if you're a public figure who does go through men fast, then obviously TV shows are going are gonna to use you as a reference. Yes, so that's another part of it. I personally feel, one, that it is a little unfair for them to call her out in this way. But I can recall other people that have made jokes about whorish men all in media. Yeah. So it's not like it's only her that they do. It's like she's just the most popular girl that has had a lot of relations so yeah you're gonna be the butt of a lot of jokes and, and in, she puts her relations on front street she sings about them for christ's sake yeah so if you are so open about it like this is my opinion on like celebrity i always say if i am if i ever get big enough to the point where millions of people know who i am and millions of people care what happens in my personal life god forbid it's because i'm very private i don't want that type of life but I would have to understand at that point, especially a decade in, she's been a star for a very long time. I'd have to just understand this is what people do. That's what they do for their jobs. And while it's not the best thing in the world, I know it's not really affecting me. Maybe it is affecting her, though. And in that case, I would suggest that she really seeks help. Whatever help she needs, whatever support group she needs to make sure that this does not cause her to spiral. Yeah, she's clearly very triggered by it for her to talk about this when it's been something that's been going on for the past decade. But what I also thought was interesting is that she basically like ignited all this hate from her fans to go after the actress who says that line in the show. Yeah, and you have to remember, the actors have nothing to do with it. This was not like an improv scene. This was written in a script. Yeah. So they're doing their jobs. Yeah, they're just reciting those words. And then the actress came out and made a statement and she was... She didn't refer to the Taylor Swift thing, but she basically just said thank you for like all the support in the past week, etc., etc. And that she plays a flawed character. Like, her character's not perfect, so, you know, she might say things that aren't perfect. And you have to realize that human beings... I am so annoyed with the internet culture expecting every human being to be perfect. I don't understand why they think that, first of all, if I'm in an argument with someone, or let's just say John and Jake are in an argument at home in the privacy of their home, this might be a real thing that John or Jake will say to each other when they're upset. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't really have anything to do with you as a person, Taylor. It just has to do with your circumstance and the facts of your life that you have shared with us. You have been with multiple guys not to say the amount of guys you've been with is like exorbitant like it's so much more than anybody else it's just that you are easy point of reference yeah they use you as a reference because everybody gets it nobody hears it and is like i don't get that yeah 
I don't think it's... And you might feel like it's slut-shaming because you've heard this joke so many times, but I personally don't think, think it's that serious to do a whole op-ed piece about it online and then have her friend Todrick Hall like slut shame other woman oh yeah to, to, i forgot <laughs> about that he literally came online and was like first of all taylor swift has bigger balls than any of my exes and todrick Hall's a gay man so i'm like irrelevant you are literally putting down every person you've ever been with in your life as a partner to defend your friend mm-hmm. work that's a choice then he did an- another tweet and talking- now deleted tweet and now deleted tweet you're right talking about how other girls in the industry have been bigger sluts than Taylor, basically. Yeah, that was the sentiment. I was like, okay, girl, you're really out here trying to defend this woman by putting down other women. Exactly. That's not the best look. And that's why sometimes you have to just pick your battles and, like, if you want to get into an argument or fight with someone about something, think about it. Like, give it a minute. Todrick doesn't know anything about a good look in every sense of the phrase. (laughs) Just tacky style and interesting life choices. Interesting indeed. Okay, you know uh, Bruno Mars? He's back with new music. I heard he's in like a little group. Yeah, he is in a little group. I saw a video of him and uh, this black guy singing. It was like a 25 second clip or something. Yeah, it's like the two of them. They're like this, I guess this duo or something to put yeah. out new music. Um, but you know how people have always kind of had conversations about him cultural appropriating black culture really because he's not black well yeah i know he's like latinx yeah is it i don't think no i don't think he's latinx i think he's like hawaiian or like polynesian or something like that is he i you know what i don't know oh you're right he's half puerto rican i I was just about to say the only reason i thought he was latinx is because one he kind of looks it and two he had this reality show with his sisters who wanted to be singers and they were like clearly they looked clearly latinx to oh me. he's a quarter latinx he's a quarter puerto rican and he's a quarter filipino and half jewish oh yeah cool so people have always kind of said like he's basically benefiting off these like very traditionally black genres and a black style of music Oh, that's interesting. You know, I was, listening, I was listening to Monet Exchange and Lady Bunny on mm-hmm. their podcast today when I was taking a shower. And they were talking about some artist that is like Puerto Rican, Filipinx, and Jewish. And I didn't know who they were talking about because I was listening in the shower. Bruno so Mars. I couldn't tell. Now I know who they were talking about. So he, I guess he was on The Breakfast Club and Charlemagne asked him about it. And he's like... Mm. Uh, what did he say? Where's the quote here? Da, 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 da. Oh, he said it comes with the gig. He's like, there is real merit to what people are saying about black entertainers not getting their flowers. Um, but he's like, I've always been like extremely open about the people who have inspired me, like Michael Jackson, Prince, etc. People like that. Um, and yeah, he's like, there's definitely a conversation there, but I don't mean any disrespect by what I'm doing. And it's just like all appreciation. He's kind of likened it to people going into sports and kind of having Michael Jordan as the archetype that they're trying to emulate. Right. How do you feel about that? His analogy doesn't speak to me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's a very interesting topic because on one hand, like appropriation versus appreciation, it's very hard to differentiate with a lot of people 
some people can clearly tell you don't give a rat's ass about this community that you are appropriating. You just want to do this thing or dress this way, act this way for a moment to benefit you financially or socially because you think it is cool right now. And you will easily wipe your hands of this community and this style once the trend has passed. Those people I really can't stand. And in Bruno Mars's case, to the best of my knowledge, he has not disrespected the black community. He has always, I remember him talking a lot about Michael Jackson Prince and other people that has that have inspired his music style over the years. And I'm okay with it. As long as he's not out here singing the N-word like Cardi B, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm not cool with Cardi saying that N-word because, sis, you and I are not kin. But how do you know Cardi's not black? She has never claimed to be black. Well, apparently she has. When? I don't, like, in her explanation, like, people coming at her saying, oh, you say the N-word, things like that. She basically says that, like, she has Afro-Latina um, lineage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, I think that the Bruno Mars thing, it's it's tough because, yeah, he is making money off of these genres, but the genres aren't just the, the first, the exclusive thing is, to the, black people. Exactly. He is doing R&B music, and while R&B music is a, a, a genre predominantly... Um, taken over by black people or like black people normally sing R&B music other people can sing R&B music yeah we are not saying nobody else can sing rhythm and blues just like it, we think black people should be able to do country because hell we cut, we were there in the beginning mm-hmm. of country music anyone can sing whatever type of music they want as long as you are not like trying to make fun of a culture and like disrespect someone's culture then it's it's okay with me personally apparently there was this writer Saran Sensei in 2018 she says that he just takes pre-existing work and just completely word for word recreates it and he doesn't make it better he doesn't improve upon it he's just basically recycling the work of black artists before him okay so I did not know of this did she give any examples no she didn't not in this article that I read gave examples but it's like isn't that what everyone always does like hasn't everything been done music is just recycling old music oh yeah like everyone does this um Nicki Minaj got in trouble with Miss Fast Cars (laughs) Tracy Chapman Tracy Chapman I like her by the way because she sampled her song Beyonce has sampled D'Angelo a bunch of times Every like everyone has sampled someone, but th- she's saying that he just recreates it. I'm like, what song does he have that is exactly the same as? That's an old why song? my first question was, did she give examples? Because if you're gonna make such a bold claim, I need to know what he has done so I can go and like check it out for myself. Well, I mean, I don't have this woman's essay in front of me. I just have an article that quoted her. Oh, okay. But she also said that he plays up his racial ambiguity to cross genres, which is which is actually i guess a problematic part of it that i will agree with her because yes he is a little racially ambiguous i remember when the first thing i saw him in oh i'm wheezing a little bit guys i had like 10 seconds ago i had to pause because i was choking (laughs) water was choking me anyways uh 
I remember watching the song Grenade, mm-hmm. the music video for that for the first time. And I was like, who is this little black guy? Like, mixed guy. I thought it was like a mixed black guy. And like many, many years later, I learned, oh, he's not black. He's something else. What else? I wasn't sure. I told you. It was, it was not until I saw his sisters. I was like, they look a bit Latinx. So if it, they're, her, they're, they're his sister, then he must be too. So that I agree with. He does play into the curly hair, dark olive skin. You really don't know if I'm half black or not. And I wear shades and I'm a little mysterious. So you don't really hear me talk much. You don't really see me out much. You don't see... And he hangs out with a lot of black... A lot of black people. So I guess people will assume he must be a part of the community. Yeah, but then he also is kind of racially ambiguous and light-skinned. And that kind of makes him his music um, travel farther. Yeah, Radio for sure. Radio play and things like that. For sure. Because there's not a lot of people who are doing kind of traditional R&B funk like he is and are mainstream top 40 artists the way he is. Oh, there's no one else. Exactly. There is no one else doing the type of music Bruno Mars is doing that is getting the same type of airplay and recognition. Amen. Yep. Okay, so next I want to talk about this community in Toronto. It says it's in it's in East York, so it's actually in Toronto proper. There's this parking lot that the city's thinking of getting rid of and building a 64-unit affordable housing complex. Mm. And the people who live in the community are... Against it. Up in arms. Uh, that's just typical Toronto people for you. The minute the government says we're going to put some affordable housing unit next to you guys, everyone's like, get them poor people out of my neighborhood. The heck with but that. it's interesting because you don't like to live around homeless people. Yeah. So, I, what, so what are your thoughts on this? It's not necessarily homeless people. I don't mind homeless people. There's a homeless guy across the street from me. I tell you, every day he calls at me. How do you know he's homeless? Well, I know he's homeless because he literally wears the same clothes for weeks on end. And he always looks as if he hasn't taken a shower. Okay, but every time we walk around my apartment, you're like, oh, there's so many homeless people here. Yeah, because you you live downtown in the city and you do live in an area that is very populated by homeless people. You have shelters close by. Yeah, but see, if they're building 64 um, affordable housing units, those could go to people who ha- are friends with homeless people. I don't you know, know what I mean? The point is because you kind of like turn it on me as if I said I don't want a affordable housing unit in my neighborhood, which I don't I'm like why is he even bothered? No, no, I'm just Why saying, am I being bothered? I'm just saying what are your thoughts on this? That's not what you said. You were like you don't like homeless people. I'm like why am I being attacked right now? Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways. I don't think there's anything wrong with building an affordable housing unit in any neighborhood. Because you as you know in Toronto downtown wherever you're building your units if you are a developer and you're building a beautiful 100 story luxurious apartment complex you have to make sure a certain percentage of the rooms can go to uh people that need affordable housing so you'll see an apartment complex with millionaires living in there because it's that fancy and there will be like units on select floors and different like all over the place where people will be paying like the same rent I pay or way less than me. And that's just something that's law. If you're a developer, you have to do this, which is nice. And I think it gives a lot of low income people the opportunity to live in a nice building and to 
have a nice, a good, better quality of life in certain areas than they would normally be afforded to. So I love that. And if you're going to build a whole unit, a whole um, building dedicated to housing people that need it, that's amazing. If they wanted to put it next door to where I live, I wouldn't care. I just don't love a dirty environment. That's my thing. I don't, that's why I say I don't love downtown. It's not necessarily the homeless people. I don't love a dirty environment. It just so happens that they make it dirty. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, anyways, what I found the most audacious, is that a word? <laughs> the most audacious about the whole situation, one of the people interviewed by Global News about this story said, the, quote, this is a quote, the community depends on this site. This parking lot is a hub, the heart of the community. A parking lot? How can some asphalt be the heart of your community that you don't want? It's a, not even like it's a park. A house, a housing unit built on top of it. I bet if they said, we're building a nice swanky condo, they'd have been like, yes, property value going up. Exactly. They would not care. They don't, <laughs> they don't want lower income people in their nice white neighborhood. Basically. And that's what it comes down to. That's what's so problematic about it because... It's like people are all about, oh yeah, no, homeless is such a problem and it's so sad. No and one need, wants to do anything about it. We need to it. build places for them to live. It's like, but they want all the homeless people to be, they build, basically want to build slums. Pretty much. And Shelters and affordable housing should be spread out all over the city. There shouldn't be rich neighborhoods, medium neighborhoods, poor neighborhoods. There I should agree. be mixed housing everywhere so everyone coexists. I agree. Um, but the, again, people don't want their property values to go down. They don't want to, because they want to get up in the morning and go jogging and not think of someone beneath them, quote unquote, in their minds. Yeah. Possibly like seeing them jog and possibly seeing their house. And in their mind, they're just thinking money and safety, which it probably will not affect either. But that's just how they think because they're in a bubble in this swanky little neighborhood and everything feels like a disney channel original movie where it's like oak trees and just picket okay fences. i don't think it's that kind of neighborhood no but. this not this specific neighborhood for sure because it's east york i mean east york has nice houses but it's not like and first of all east york girl like you guys are acting as if you guys are in the bridal path you guys are not that fancy down there i know they're like oh parents use the parking lot to take their kids to to sports things nobody told you to live in the city and have a car <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. I mean, there. I I strongly believe there shouldn't be parking lots in the city. Why? Because I think it's just a waste of space. So I what, what would you put there instead? Like houses, parks, other things. Parks, maybe, but not not more houses. I think if you want a parking space, it underground should be underground garage. But every building that's being built has to have underground garages. I don't think so. I believe so. Well, that should be a rule. But like, I, don't, literally, I don't think like, it's like that. Where I worked, like every single building around me had an underground. Yeah, but those were huge office buildings. Mm. I don't think it's a law that every building has to have it. I, I think, think it should be. But also, we don't need all these parking lots. People should not be driving into the city. Yeah, but then... Take transit. Transit. Transit's gross. <laughs> I don't care. And you, everyone cannot take the transit. Yes, There's they can. like 3 million people in downtown Toronto alone. Like, no. And hundreds of thousands of people take transit every day. I feel like it's fine to, for people to drive down here. 
and some people are driving from like a far away so i'm not saying don't drive but i'm saying if you choose to drive into the city then you should be you should be okay with paying a premium to have to park underground somewhere you just don't care about people's pockets do you Take the take the bus, take the train. We don't need to have these. You know, when you're in downtown, there's this huge flat parking lot, and it's like, what the heck is this? What if someone's driving in from Aurora? Aurora. Aurora. Oh my God, I'm thinking about Aurora from yeah, from Drag Race. <laughs> from UK. Drag Race. But Aurora, whatever. Yeah, I'm not saying you never drive into the city. I've driven into the city, but when you drive in, be prepared to spend money. Yeah, and don't think like street parking. I think is is trash. Oh yeah, I don't agree with street parking because the roads, well, the roads are like not narrow, but it's like it they're makes small. Things... They're in the city. You can't expand them. Yeah, it's not ideal. I think there should be no on street parking so that they can put like bike lanes on streets and buses don't have to go in and out around parked cars. Uh, it, then again, buses don't really go downtown. Downtown, you have street cars. We just saw them on Queen Street today. Yeah, but this is like way west. No, whenever the whenever the streetcar is busted down or is on a detour, yeah, then they'll put I up hate buses. That. Whenever I see a bus downtown, I'm like, the ghetto. <laughs> we don't use that word. <laughs> Anyways, what are we talking about today? Princess Markle, which she's not really a princess. She's a duchess, right? And Prince Harry. They did an interview with Oprah. I was watching it in and out of sleep, mostly sleeping, not watching. But... Cody watched a lot of it, and we're going to discuss it today. <laughs> so, you guys have been listening to the podcast. Thank you. But if the Too Much Podcast isn't enough, there's a whole lot more content on Michael's YouTube. Yeah, I post like every single week, and I have literally too much going on over there. Hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and please drop a comment and tell us what you thought or what you'd like to see Michael do next. Bye. Oh, no. Back to the show. All right. So Oprah sat down with Harry and Meghan for this two-hour primetime interview. And it was a bit of a bombshell interview. We, everyone was like, you know, when it was coming up, there was all these articles coming out about, you know, oh, it's going to do this and that. The royal family's so afraid and da da There's always hype, right? I'm like, ah, uh, who but knows what will actually happen. At the same happen. time, I think they knew what Princess... I keep saying princess. What Meghan and Harry that they were gonna do because a few like last week they started putting out disparaging uh, things in the press about Meghan. Yeah, because they were worried something was gonna happen, but they didn't know what was gonna be said. And that was the dumbest thing they could have done. Yeah. So I was going into it like you know, we always think these interviews are gonna be tell-all interviews, but then they're usually just like you get a little bit of tea here and there. This thing was like one thing after another. Just news story news. Every block had something where you're like, oh. I mean, some people's jobs were on the floor. My job wasn't on the floor for anything because, like, you know these people are nasty. But it was just like, oh, there's another story. There's more tea. There were so many tweets about, like, oh, Meghan Markle woke up this morning and chose violence. <laughs> <laughs> because I she was loved, just letting it all hang out. I watched the parts of it that I got to watch. I loved how honest she seemed and how candid she was and how well she spoke. She was just like... This is my li- this is a life I lived, and I'm not holding back. Apart from the name of who said the thing a about bunch of stuff, yeah, like mm-hmm. I would really want the name. Like write a book and say the name. I'll buy that book. Say the name. 
I'm saying the name. That would be the title of the yes, book. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I would live. But when the so when the special first started, of course it was like, oh, you're pregnant. Da 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 da. We'll reveal the gender later when Prince Harry comes out. But the first hour was just Meghan and Oprah one on one, and right away she addresses this rumor that was one of the first kind of nasty rumors that came out, um, like around the wedding time, that Meghan made Kate Middleton cry about bridesmaids dresses. I remember that. And then in the special, you find out, mine was kind of, I had to watch it illegally, by the way, because freaking in Canada, the person streaming it didn't have their shit together. So the stream wasn't working. You yeah. try to support local and they just give you this bullshit that you, you're forced to break the rules. FBI agent, if you're listening, I did not watch this illegally. So yeah, that's Cody. Yes, you did. So anyways, there's they're talking about that story. And then you find out, I didn't make Kate Middleton cry. Kate actually made me cry. And then a few months later, she sent me flowers and an apology letter and blah, 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 blah. And when this, when we were talking about this, you were like, that doesn't mean she's a bad person. She's a bad person, in my opinion. I was just saying, I was just saying it doesn't make Kate seem like a bad person because weddings are stressful. And sometimes... It ain't your wedding, bitch. I know, but like sometimes people cry about weddings or get in fights with their families about weddings. It just happens. It's a stressful situation. Okay. This is how I see it. This is how Michael sees it. <laughs> uh, it's Megan's wedding. She's already under a lot of pressure being this black woman in the UK. Everyone, before they even got engaged, the media were, media in the UK were attacking her like crazy. She's now on like the cusp of her wedding. You don't like the wedding dresses. You are my soon-to-be sister-in-law. Who said that's what it was about? They, were, they literally said Megan made her cry over... Um, Bridesmaid dresses. Yes, or flower girl dresses or something. It what, was, it, whatever the dresses may want to be. Let's not get caught up in... No, but I'm, but I'm saying don't say it was about that she didn't like the dresses. We don't know what it was about. We just know oh, it had so to do with dresses. Okay, now explain this to me. Kate Middleton loved the dresses so much that she just made Megan cry. No, I'm not saying that's what it was, it was about. Maybe it was about like scheduling time for the girls to do a fitting for the dress like it wasn't okay. just like she held the dress up and let said, me That's re ugly, retract and then my statement cry. because some people are like really i've always said you're out anyways no i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying we don't know what it was about it was just an argument as i was saying kate middleton made her cry on the cusp of her wedding over some bridesmaid dresses or some flower girl dresses whatever the issue was it was about some type of dress she made the bride cry and months later is when she decided to send flowers and apologize after this is like long after the media already spun this story like a freaking spinning wheel in like sleeping beauty megan is this monster bridezilla from the states coming here to take the royal people royal people's money and like take their good son and now she's making the good beautiful white kate middleton cry yeah and kate middleton is supposed to be somewhat martyr here or something no one said she was a martyr okay i'm just saying i'm not taking this one incident and painting kate middleton but the point was that the what ran in the press was completely the opposite of what actually happened and but, nobody would, um, nobody would like dispel that rumor. And that's why I look at Kate Milton side-eyed 
and like you even if you know like yeah they call it the institute i've noticed the firm the, fir- the firm sorry mm-hmm. so even if the firm doesn't allow you to like say anything publicly and i'm talking about kate middleton yeah so she probably couldn't really dispel the rumor and say yeah. no that's not really what happened she took too long to apologize which made me feel like she really didn't care and she was too caught up in herself to to realize that she hurt somebody and to apologize which made me look at her character as less than appetizing for or palatable that's true i mean from what i remember megan said that a few months later she got this grand apology i think it was months i don't know douse the flowers in gasoline i'm joking i wouldn't but that would have been really cute if she did that i mean she made it seem like like kate was fairly nice to her because there is a lot of rumors that it was like they just oh yeah there were a lot of rumors that kate felt like she was coming to the uk to take her thunder or her praise or whatever and so but she made it seem like kate was fairly nice sister in law i would love to believe she was a nice person but this story just makes me question her as a woman that's it Mm. like i don't know how nice she is now (laughs) and then i think the next thing that was kind of a big bombshell was just them like there was discussions about how dark their baby would be oh when i heard and about him not getting a title and him not getting security when i heard this i was so disgusted so was oprah Oprah echoed everything I wanted to say. In the Oprah moment, was just Oprah's like, like, who said that? Yeah. Who said it? Because that... She's like, who is having these conversations? After she just stood there, like, looking at her, and she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because like, it just seems so foreign to people who, like, have, like, racialized family members or friends. Like, those just aren't discussions that you have. Like, How dark are your, is your baby going to be? I wonder... Yeah, like, it's that's, just not something that you say. Like, the ba- a baby's just a baby, and it'll gross. come out how it comes out. That is gross. And I want her to say the person's name. They said they will never say the person's name. Oprah came out this morning and said that it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip. Oh, so she knows. Because a lot of people said it's Prince Philip. But a lot of people said it wasn't. So now people think it's probably Prince Charles. Because Prince Charles, in this sit-down, also seemed like he was one of the main villains. Yeah, like, they are saying that he doesn't want to talk to his son. He, like, cut Harry off for the longest time. That was another jaw. <laughs> I was like, look at your ugly, shriveled ass cutting Harry off. That was all you did to his mother. Another mic drop moment where Harry's like, um, blah, 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 blah. That's before he stopped taking my calls. <laughs> I was like, before he stopped taking my calls. And the you know what's funny? Like... This was just like a whole heap of revelations and everything. But what was comedic about this interview is how calm Meghan and Harry were. Oh, just yeah. Just dropping all these little uh, grenades here and there. Like, yeah. yeah, they stopped taking my call. Yep, they said my baby was going to be too black. Yep, they they made me cry. Yep, they didn't <laughs> want to pay for security. Yep, they kicked us out. Like, Oprah's like, this is shocking. Meghan's like, I'm sorry, it's shocking. It's the truth. <laughs> like damn but they said there's they said they're on good terms with the queen well well yes because they said i remember james corden was doing an interview with harry just a couple of weeks ago yeah and harry said oh the queen and her husband facetimes they facetime with me and megan all the time to see the kids 
So I'm assuming the queen cares about her grandson, Harry, and his wife and her great grandkids. However, she has not done enough to protect them. And she has not done enough, in my opinion, to really make sure that they've been okay. I mean, I get it. You, If you want to live in the lap of luxury and you want to benefit from the crown, you have to be an active working member of the firm. However, a lot of people in the firm don't do diddly squat. And they are well taken care of. And these people have gone through so much. It's family at the end of the day. Whether or not you want to live in the family house, you should be afforded at least security. Yeah. These... Me- yeah, Megan even said that, because um, Prince Philip just went into the hospital like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and she said that when they heard that, she picked up the phone and called the queen to like check in. Like, are you okay? And so they're still on good terms. She's still like, they check in like you would any other family member. And um, where was I going with this? <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's obvious that Meghan and Harry don't have like ill will towards the family. They're just being mindful of whatever their position is and how it may affect their family. And they just want to make sure that their little unit, their immediate family, which is this husband, this wife and these two kids are safe and taken care of mentally and physically. But what's interesting is that obviously the queen's the queen, mm-hmm. but it kind of seems like she's not the only one making decisions. Oh, definitely not. Because they're still on good terms with her. Yeah. So a lot of this awfulness that has happened has not happened at the hands of the queen, which we kind of already knew because there's so many stories about how Harry is the queen's favorite. So it'd be like, why is she treating him like this yeah. if, she's one of the, if he's one of the favorites? But we know this from, like, history that while you do have the queen and she is the head, there are a lot of advisors. There are a lot of people. But it's really only the family. So that's why that's why people blame Prince Charles and blame Prince Williams, because Prince Charles is next in the line for the throne. Right. And then it's Prince Williams. So they must be talking in the queen's ear a lot. But you also know from watching The Crown that Prince Philip, her husband, Right. Thinks he's like the king on the sidelines. Yeah. Like telling her, you know, you should do this. This is for the good of the crown. You can't do that sort of thing. But I mean, he seems to be okay with Harry and Meghan as well because they, Harry did mention, not in this interview, I think, but with James Corden, that the grandmom and granddad, well, the king and queen, would FaceTime them. So I'm assuming he's okay with them. That's true, but I don't know. This is how I see it. I think it's the family, but the family does have like handlers that make that preserve the crown and preserve everything for them because the family itself, they don't do a lot. They do not do a lot. They are just figureheads. You do have a lot of people behind the scenes making sure that the monarch continues and that it is like still a thing 10,000 years to come. And those people have a lot to say and they're probably rooted in very old mindsets and so with the king and queen i don't even know what the hell is happening i don't even want to assume all i know is i want to hear the the names of everyone who has been like saying shit we'll never know megan did make an interesting point about how the commonwealth is like 60 to 70 percent um people of color and how it kind of would have been this was their opportunity to like modernize the family. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Like having her as a working royal and it just would have been so good for them to like bring them into the 21st century. And I don't know, think they want that. Exactly. Have a black woman in the family who kind of represents some of those countries that they always go on tours to. Yeah. And to be honest, I <laughs> I was born in Jamaica. I remember Harry came to Jamaica when I was there at one point and I could do without them on the tour. They just make things really difficult and they don't really do much. It's like, we're just here paying for you to come. We are paying for you to come stay in the best hotels, paying for this and that and a third for your ass for this entire time you're here doing all these things. And what do we get out of it? Our poor ass country. We don't get anything from you. Your tour means nothing to us, sir. You, you visited an orphanage. Did you cut a check afterwards? It, no, you did not. It literally means nothing. <laughs> I mean, I guess back in the day, it meant, like, protection. There was a certain yeah, but now, alliance. Yeah, and now it's like, it's just for show. Because, one, everyone in the... Commonwealth? In the Commonwealth is not even allowed to just go to Britain freely. Like, legitimately. You have to, if you're a Jamaican-born person, you, they, we, we used to be able to, like, travel back and forth, and it would be, like, a sister country or something. Now, you literally have to go get a visa and pay money and this and that and the third, and it's like, what's the benefit in being a part of this? We don't need your, we don't need your army to protect us. We're not fighting with anyone. Mm -hmm. We don't need anything from you. We're self-sufficient. All you do is drain our pockets whenever you decide to come here. Yeah. Leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this affects, um, I mean, the world's view of the monarchy. I don't know how it'll affect British people's view of the monarchy, because I, mean, I think a lot of British people are not on Harry and Meghan's side. A lot of them, especially like middle-aged to older British folk, they are set in their ways. And at this point, they are all for the monarchy. And they don't really care for this American girl coming into well, it. Well, what's interesting is the country's kind of, it's kind of 50-50 on the monarchy. And that's why the monarchy is treats the press so well. And Megan said in her interview, she's like, it's not a coincidence that some of these tabloids have their Christmas parties at the palace. Because it's like, there's a mutual benefit. Right. The royal family wants them to always cover them favorably because if the press turns on them and starts, you know, writing articles, the whole country like, will. We don't need the yeah. Then the country, because they, the press has such influence over people's opinions, right? In the UK, I guess. Well, I mean, anywhere. here and here, here as well. Yeah, you hear things on the TV enough, a percentage of the population will start to believe it, no matter what you're saying. I know that's so sad. You know, like me, it takes you a whole year to like convince me of something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. So yeah, Megan was just saying, um, I lost my train of thought again. Oh my goodness, what's wrong with you? Do you need some fish oil pills? I don't know, because I think of something, and then while you're talking, I completely forget about it. But oh, just the fact that that's, it's, that's kind of part of the reason why they didn't protect her. Because... They didn't want to like ruffle the, the feathers. Yeah, of once the, the press set up their own narrative, they can't start fighting the press on things because it's going to ruin their relationship. That's why they have this kind of like do nothing attitude mm -hmm. but it doesn't you shouldn't really do nothing when it is blatant racism 
you know, there are always ways in which you can speak out against someone when they're doing wrong without completely insulting them. It's called politics. And as a, the monarch, you should be very well versed in playing politics. They're apolitical. They're not allowed to have political affiliations or have political views. That's they won't obvious. Even talk about I'm, Black Lives I'm not Matter. even talking about poli- political views as if like policies and parties. I mean, they do know politics. Yes, you're not allowed to have a view, but you do know politics and you can sneakily play it with these people that you could. First of all, they are playing politics by even like aligning with the freaking press. That is playing politics. So you can still use your influence and the charm of being kings and queens to get them on your side without being like scolding them and then insulting them to the point where they turn on you. In my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure there's things that they could have done. They but they decided care. to just leave it alone. They didn't Let care their chips fall where they may. Yeah. At the end of the interview, Oprah's like, um, do you have any regrets? And Harry's like, no, I don't think so. And Megan said, um, how did she phrase it? She's basically like, my only regret is believing them when they said they'd protect me or something like that. You know, what was the most, the saddest part in the entire thing? I mean, apart from them asking about the child's skin complexion when when he was going to be born that was disgusting to me but when she said after a while of being like attacked by the press and everyone especially Pierce Morgan was it Perez Morgan Perez Morgan Piers Piers whatever that ugly scrunchy man's name is I can't stand him he's so annoying I know can you believe they have him on the TV every morning in Britain I don't understand why he still has a job conservatives but anyways she came to them and say, I don't, I feel different. I'm going through a hard time. I'm having thoughts that I don't normally have. And I'm scared. I need help. Please bring me somewhere where I can get the help I need. And they said something to the effect of she was like, well, I have to prove that I'm really going through something. Like, well, they basically said they can't. Yeah. Because it'll look bad. And that just broke my heart because mental health is such a huge, like, it's such a huge player in, like, the 21st century human being where everyone is going through so much. Everyone's being, like, bombarded with so much from the internet and from their lives and life is so hard and a lot of people are taking their lives because of this. And a lot of people are, like, suffering from all these different mental health issues. And it's such an important thing. And... Thankfully, now a lot of companies and families are taking it more seriously and they're seeking help where needed and supporting their family members where needed. And these people are like, yeah, we can't help you. Well, the gag is Harry, William and Kate have this Heads Together Mental Health Foundation that they started like two or three years ago. Well, obviously, Harry's not part of it anymore. Um, But yeah. Yeah. All in all, I took away from the interview that... I like Harry and Meghan more. I didn't dislike them before, but I just like them more now because they're being more honest. And I feel like the more that they speak, like I don't want them to be doing a lot of interviews. I don't want that. Oh yeah, they won't. But this interview showed me a different side of them and it showed me more vulnerability and a more human side because I really didn't understand the full effects of why they stepped away. 
And now I do get it. And now I support them even more. And I wish them all the best. I wish them all the success they can, you know, muster in the world and all that good stuff. Yeah. Amen. That's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to us on. We're on literally... Subscribe on Patreon. That's the only place you need to subscribe. <laughs> I know. It's cheap. You get to see more of me. You get to see more of my personal life. You get to see the different projects I'm working on. And you get to hear a lot of thoughts that I have about Drag Race and other things that I don't share on YouTube. Oh, YouTube... we didn't even talk about Lawrence Cheney deleting his Twitter and all this that's going on. Oh, like that's... I guess you could still talk about it. Lawrence Cheney from Drag Race UK... RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 2, the front runner at this point, she deleted her Twitter, and did she delete Instagram? Uh, I'm not sure if she deleted it yet, but it's just crazy how some of the fans are just so disgusting. Yeah, like, she's why are you sending bullied. somebody? Why are you sending someone a personal message to tell them you disapprove of how they acted on the show and that they should like kill themselves or that they're a fat cunt or whatever? Yeah, it's really sad. I don't condone bullying. I always say, like on my channel, when I did a whole video on Tamisha versus Candy, we can talk about what happened. It's okay to discuss events that happened like a case study and try to understand both sides, tr give your opinions on whatever happened, dissect it, have a conversation. But it's not okay to personally go out of your way to message someone telling them how much you disapprove of them and how much you wish they were not on this earth. Do you, do you think it's because queer people are just triggered by bullying? Why is the Drag Race fandom so... Uh... But what, that wouldn't even make sense. It's like, but then again, hurt people hurt people. So they've been bullied all well, their lives. Well, that's what I mean. Like so... they, they see someone on screen getting attacked and then they go like defend them online. Blah, in the blah, wrong blah. way. Like... Yeah, in the wrong way. Because I don't think it... You see these women, how they talk to each other on Real Housewives and stuff. Yeah. Nobody goes on Twitter and is Nobody. like, You're, you should kill yourself for how you talked to Teresa the other day. Like, it it's, doesn't, just it's doesn't happen like that. You watch Big Brother. You watch like Survivor. Maybe, maybe Survivor is a little more intense. I don't know. You watch Big Brother. You watch Housewives and all these different reality shows. I don't think any other fandom is like And people that. fight. People pull each other's hair. I remember Kenya got dragged across the floor. Yeah. Portia got kicked in the vagina. And no one sent any other girls like... I mean, I'm sure threats. they get bad messages. No, yeah, they probably get messages they... to say, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, but, no but one they're is not like, getting people telling them to kill threats. themselves. But for Drag Race, you will have an argument. We literally sit up across from each other, not touching, not physically hurting yeah. anyone, and be like, I hate you, you this, you that, you the third. And someone will come to me and be like, go kill yourself for calling him this, that, and the third. No, that's not how you deal with it. That is not how you deal with it. And it's really stupid. It's really sad. And I think I'm going to mention that on my next YouTube video. That I, I really don't approve it. And I hope no one comes under my channel to like say any dumb shit. I mean, no one really comes under your channel to say dumb shit. But I just... It's like people keep mentioning it. And it's just like beating a dead horse. It's freaking TV. Bob says it all the time. Like people shouldn't act like that. I don't condone. Like if I'm talking about a person, it's because I'm just like talking about it yeah i don't condone you guys going and sending this person message even sometimes like i don't tweet that much but like if i tweet something about the girls first of all i'm not gonna say like you should kill yourself but i don't at the girl i don't send the girl a private Same. message 
same if i'm going to act one of the girls it's to praise them for the work they're doing if one of the girls does something i don't care for and i'm like whatever i don't even tweet it because i don't care that much <laughs> because i don't care but you say it in a video yeah that's because that's what i do and even in the videos i'm not like attacking anyone yeah exactly because what good does that do me because people just take it way too seriously and that's what Lawrence said. She posted a Facebook message basically saying, you know, I'm taking some time off social media because she's like, w even when she watched the episode back, she's like, when I was when I was talking to Ellie, like, don't don't do that, blah, 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 in the workroom that moment. She's like, even to me, it just seemed like a little spat between sisters. Yeah. Like people can disagree and people can yell. And then the next episode, they can be fine. They want to see me and some of my friends talk. They would think that we're having a whole uh, fight. Maybe people aren't used to... Um... Passionate conversations. Yes, passionate conversation <laughs> or like open communication. Because just because someone's disagreeing, you're right. It doesn't mean they're fighting. It just yeah. means like we disagree right now and we're talking passionately. And this is how I feel. And I'm doing this and I'm pointing. But I mean, okay, afterwards... All right, girl. Ahura also, because Ahura's been getting some awful messages too. And she's like, I'm friends with Ellie Diamond. We talk on the phone like every day. Like it was one episode of a TV show where I just express my feelings openly. That doesn't mean I hate her. Yeah. I can be mad at someone in the moment and not hate her. It's not a big deal. And that's what the fans don't understand. They cannot remove the show from reality. They think that if you fight on the show then you hate that person in real life and that you and that person will never be cool again and you just harbor hate in your heart and you're just an evil person. Everyone's cool. It's just a TV show. I mean, and then again, the fans are a bunch of middle-aged women or really young kids who don't really know much or underdeveloped. Like, I don't even want to, I don't want to get started on reading the fans today, but, but they, uh, they need help. The ones who are out here sending death threats need help for the most part i'm glad for the community i've built a lot of the people under my comments they're very respectful they're very nice we have conversations if they if i say something they don't agree with they tell me we talk about it we kiki it's all love and everyone's just happy to watch the show and have fun no one in, under my comments is ever like oh that person should die how could they ever do that and i'm yeah. so happy because that i, I don't want to spend my day like blocking and deleting people Honestly, because I would just block and delete you. I'm not I don't want people who come to watch my videos to see some weirdo saying Ellie like foul stuff. Ahura is the scum of the earth or Lawrence is horrible and should hurt themselves. That's gross. Yeah, you just agree or disagree with the way they acted and then you move on. You know, how I look at things. Sometimes I get I'm in a uh, situation and it's not going favorable and I'm like not happy about it like with a company or a person and i don't say anything about it because if it's not affecting me like in a grand way what why do i need to mm. if i feel like you can learn from the situation as another party i'll be like hey you did this and this is how it made me feel maybe if you do maybe not do it again because it might hurt somebody else's feelings and they might not be as thick-skinned as me whatever whatever but like, even if I go to a restaurant and I get like bad service, I have to be like, it has to be really, really, really bad for me to write a review. <laughs> like, I'm not going online to do that. I know. It takes a lot of energy. And why? 
I'm telling you because they're triggered. They see someone being bullied. They see someone being the underdog, and they see themselves. And then they lash out like, in I need the to go worst possibly defend this person because nobody defended me when I was young. Ugh. That's right. just my hot take. They do say that a lot. I do see it a lot under the comments saying, this this reminds me of when I was a child and this is how my bullies treated me. That's why it hurts me so bad. Meanwhile, now Lawrence Cheney is saying you're reminding him of his childhood when everyone was bullying him. Ugh. And that's why he's got to take a break from social media. In close, right before he wins season two. I know. Like he, I mean, Bimini might take it, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, in closing, if you feel so triggered by whatever you're watching on a reality TV show, seek help and talk to someone because it's deeper than the reality show. You need to address your inner issues, your saboteur, as RuPaul says, like whatever is going on inside, you need to address it and deal with it so that you don't lash out on people online. Thank you guys for listening. Again, this podcast, you can hear it anywhere at all. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple, Spotify, you name it. Go to my Patreon. It's lit. And YouTube, we post every single week. Bye.